Welcome. It is the Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'm your host, Jared Jesselitis, co-host Jeff Julik across the console for me. Why don't we just spend a whole hour talking Boilermaker hoops and Big Ten basketball? No better way idea. to spend a Friday, right? I like yeah. it. And it's not too bad either when your Boilermakers are 18-1 after another victory last night at Minnesota. A Minnesota team that, quite frankly, I thought was a little bit on the uptick, Jeff, lately. Um, maybe don't have the win-losses, though, but they were fighting. I mean, what, three out of those last four games were losses, but they were all by a bucket or less. Uh, well, I guess you can't have less than a bucket, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they, saying they, yeah, well, they yeah. did win a game, so I guess technically yeah. I'm right. Uh, but they were all very, very tight games. They were fighting, um, and then they came out in their own house and could not knock down a shot to save their lives last night. I mean, we were wondering if they were going to hit double digits by the half. I tell you what, uh, you know, it uh, just an impressive performance by the Boilermaker defense last night. They, uh, you know, and I think that's something that we just overlook with this team. This team is such a good defensive team that they are just causing people problems, and you could argue that the uh, defense is what won the game at Michigan State on Monday because you know they they did limit the opportunities when they needed to and you know and this team just just gets it and you know last night Zach Eady had a probably you know statistically one a of pedestrian his, night a for pedestrian him. night with uh, what 12, uh, 12 points and six rebounds and but four block shots. The guy could not get a ball to bounce off the rim towards him. <laughs> Watching all night, I'm like, how's he only have five? And I'm like, here he'll get some. And it would always just go to the opposite side yeah. of where he was at for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, you know he needs to make that uh, agreement like Swanigan had that uh, that all uh, loose balls he gets, and that that seemed to be the case with uh, Caleb when he played for the Boilermakers, but. Uh, you know, the this team is just is fantastic right now, and and what a week! You know, you, you go to Michigan State, you play really, really well there, you pull out that victory, and you know the Boilermakers are in a position right now where they could run away and hide with this Big Ten conference. And you know, if you can get these next two games with Maryland on on Saturday, Sunday, and then if you can go to Michigan next week and get that victory, you're going to make the turn at nine and one. And your last 10 games in the conference, you're going to have six home games and four road games. And two of those road games are at Northwestern, at Maryland. You know, they've got a great chance to run away at this conference. I felt like there was some handsome genius on a radio show last week who said by the end of the month that there was a chance, right, as you get in that first weekend of February, that you could be a three games clear of the second best team in the Big Ten. And right now it looks like it does. I mean, that is very much a possibility. That handsome genius was absolutely correct about that. So that's why that's why we put the sign right here that Kyle Charters <laughs> loves. It says the sports genius. It's right here, uh, right next For to me. For all to see. Um, taking a look at the uh, at the uh, stat cast here, uh, you know, 19 points last night for Braden Smith. He had seven boards to go along with that. Uh, Zach with uh, the 12 and 6. Uh, Kayla first with 6 and 9 uh, rebounds last night. Ethan and, and Martin, how good and, has he been? Yeah, oh no, he's Caleb been very solid. Caleb has been fantastic. I mean, if he doesn't hit that three from the uh, corner on Monday, I don't think the Boilermakers win that game. I mean, that was huge after Michigan State had just taken a four-point lead uh, with about three minutes to go in the game. And then I, I felt so bad for Ethan Moore. I'm so glad he finally knocked down a second. Uh, uh, you know, he got that three last yeah. night. Because uh, he finally knocks down a three. They took it away with that three in the key. He has struggled lately. Uh, he has just six points in the last four games. He had three in this one, then he had three against Nebraska, and he was 0 for at Michigan State. Didn't take a shot against Penn State, which was bizarre. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, wanted for, I wanted him to knock that down. He did, and I can't remember if it was like Caleb or somebody came over and kind of laughed at him, like, oh, you finally hit one, and then this is what they do. They take it away, and, and he laughed about it as well. Uh, so you can tell they're still being uh, pretty loose. And that's what I love about this team right now, Jeff. 
Uh, 18-1, still very loose. Uh, did you watch the viral video on Twitter here where um, Fletcher Lawyer was looking for the high five and had to self-high five himself because no, they kind of left him out on the they left him out in the lurch? I'm sure he loves us bringing that up. That is a Fletcher Lawyer, not Foster Lawyer. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know how many times oh I got brought gosh, up. Oh, my gosh, how many times? Oh, you got to love this team. I love Crispin it so much that I don't know Foster. who plays on it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's um, it should. But be I also that heard hard. that Foster's better. Is is, is that true? Or? Uh, that, that was the, there was uh, some people that seemed to think that, but um, it didn't exactly go that way. Let's go back to Michigan State here for a minute, Jeff. Uh, a, a really pivotal win for this program because uh, not only does it give them uh, that advantage in the standings, but I mean a, a road win in a place like Breslin is uh, absolutely huge for your confidence as well. Um, that was a game where, again, they didn't play tremendously well in the first. They weather the storm. They come out, and they perform much better in the second. Um, and Izzo's still complaining about it. Over four or five days later, they're still complaining about that yeah, loss. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things. He, you know, legendary coach, Hall of Fame coach, but it, it just doesn't look good when he, you know, blames his, uh, you know, his team losing on the referees. Well, he used to have what, he had Draymond Green. He had Nick Ward. Think of all the Big, massive, power forward, center type guys yeah. that he's had that push people around uh, in the paint. Now, now it's happening to him, and I, I think Brian Newber brought this up too in one of his post game videos. Well, what people will talk about here is Michigan State's not that team anymore. They're not. They're, they're, they're not, they, they're they not don't have the, the they don't have the big superstar. No. They don't have that big uh, four guy that usually gives you all kinds of fits. They're not there, and I think that's very frustrating to Tom Izzo that he can't play the brand of ball that he wants to play, and now he's having to adjust, and we all know that you know, old people are legendary for their ability to want to change things and adjust. Um, they just they don't like to do that. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if the game's just not getting away from the guy. Well, and I think it's very frustrating that Purdue is playing that type of ball that he'd like to play, and you know he looks at Zach Eady, and Zach Eady is so dominant with his with his moves and his quickness and the things he has, uh, you know, developed in the three years he's been at Purdue, and that's got to be really frustrating. And not to mention, Izzo spent a lot of time recruiting Caleb first, and. You know, he he didn't get Caleb first, and Caleb first was. Did he go very... after Sensabaugh too? Was, did he offer for Sensabaugh? Because uh, every time I watch Bryce Sensabaugh, I go, dude, if, if Tom Tim Tom Izzo would love this guy. Yeah, absolutely. This is a typical Tom Izzo type guy. I'm sure he did, and he's yeah. playing in Columbus, which is, it's fine. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if you put Bryce Sensabaugh on that Michigan State team, that is a, that's a different animal. Yeah, and if you watch that Rutgers Michigan State game, that game was completely different than the Purdue game because. You know, Michigan State spent all their time and effort trying to shut down Zach Eady, and they couldn't shut him down, and, and he just carried the Boilermakers to the victory. And while it was not one of Zach's best shooting games, he certainly came through when the uh, Boilermakers needed him the most. Ooh, yeah, that was a uh, that was interesting because, you know, Cliff's not exactly a uh, pushover either there in the paint, but they had a much better time with him, it seemed like, than, than with Zach. But uh, I would argue that Purdue has more offensive weapons than than Rutgers does, but um, yeah, Rutgers hit but hey, one three pointer last night. We we wanted that Michigan State win last night, didn't we? We, we did we needed that to uh, to give yourself the gap. That's what that's what works. Yeah, you know, and you know, Michigan State still has a tough schedule. They obviously have to go to IU on Sunday, and then Rutgers has to make a trip uh, down to IU as well. And all of a sudden, IU is playing much much better basketball and. Uh, they may be able to help the uh, Boilermakers out uh, to put this uh, Big Ten race on ice. 
Also, last night, I feel like Brandon Newman needed a good game, and he had a decent night shooting. He was two or three from behind the arc and uh, had himself eight points and uh, uh, a rebound and a uh, steal there. Three turnovers, though. But Yeah, that, he, uh, he has got to quit turning the basketball over. I mean, the, the points are nice, but Matt's not going to give him playing time if he continues to turn the basketball over because – and that was the problem he ran into last year, and you hate to see that because there's a significant drop off when he comes in for Fletcher Lawyer because you know Fletcher's playing so well, and you know obviously the reigning Big Ten Player and Freshman of the Week. But uh, yeah, it's nice to see uh, Braden be able to get some uh, get some points. But and and I think they really need him to to start producing. But he's got to quit turning the basketball over. Yeah, that's for sure. And he had that nice little run there in December where we needed him, where Fletcher just wasn't knocking down the shots. Uh, but uh, I, I at least thought he found some rhythm for the first time in a few games yes. uh, last night, and uh, I just I kind of wanted to uh, point that out because uh, you. But you're absolutely right with the turnovers. Um, that is uh, you, you just can't you, you can't do that. Brighton had that silly one too, trying to push yeah. it up the court, which uh, was yeah. just mind numbing. Seven seven assists for him though, but like one of those turnovers should come off the board. He should have had a seven uh, seven to one assist to turnover ratio, and um, he kind of let that one slide, but. Uh, still 19 points. I'm not going to pick too much on him. It's uh, it's a win, and everybody look good. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Alan Karpik, he's next here on the Boiler Basketball Welcome Show. Welcome back. This is the, the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. To the Blue Fox, heating, cooling, hammer, head hotline we go. Our good buddy Alan Karpik from goldenblack.com on that new On3 platform, which is just absolutely fantastic. The whole squad cranking out football coverage, basketball coverage that you need. Uh, Alan, hey, great to have you on as always, buddy. We missed you. It's been a heck of a week for Purdue, um, highlighted by a win in Breslin that uh, they're still talking about up there at Michigan State here. We're like five days later. They they, they can't believe what they saw, Alan. They love it. Um, it's another win for Purdue out there. They've moved to 18-1, and won, a historic feat for Matt Painter and company, and uh, yet this team still seems loose. They seem cool, calm, collective, and... I don't know, Alan, it just feels like everything's clicking right now. Well, it is. I mean, I thought last night's game against Minnesota that Purdue uh, wasn't great offensively, uh, but certainly good enough to get the job done. And that's, you know, when you're complaining about offensive flow in a in a game where you held an opponent to the lowest big score by a Big Ten opponent in its home court, home court since uh, 1944, uh, that's pretty impressive. And, and I thought Purdue did that to – uh, holding Michigan or Minnesota to 39 points. It just was a very good effort from that standpoint and, and good enough offensively to get it done. And Alan, less than a point per minute for uh, Minnesota last night. Is it fair to say that the, the difference between this year's team and last year's team is the fact that this is a pretty good defensive team? Yeah, I think this team is good fundamentally defensively. I, I you know, from an athletic standpoint, I you wonder sometimes, but 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 they keep doing the job, and it's just all about hustle and determination. And you've got the ultimate backstop in there. I mean, it was Zach Eady. I mean, you just can't if you're an opponent, no matter what you do or who you might be able to break down physically. And there are always every team has limitations you're always running into number 15 by the time you get to the basket. And I thought last night at Minnesota, he just made a huge difference early on. And and Minnesota is obviously a program that's struggling, but you don't want to let them get their head up. They did against Illinois. They led Illinois with, you know, in the end of the second half. Uh, Purdue just took them completely out of it to the point where they almost like they didn't want to be there. And uh, that's defense. And I thought uh, – I think you have a great weapon, obviously, in Edie, but everybody else plays extremely hard, 
and has I think is from a most for the most part gets great position. I mean, Ethan Morton is sometimes maligned for his offensive ability, but he's about as good a defender. He's certainly a top five defender in the Big Ten. Uh, and and Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are learning how to play. Uh, at this level uh, defensively as well, but they're, they're pretty good. And uh, that's uh, all been part of the storyline so far. Alan, Purdue now two games clear in the uh, race for the Big Ten title. Uh, perennial players like Michigan State have already been dispatched once. They still got to come into Mackey. Um, you don't have another game with uh, Rutgers. Uh, you know, obviously the Michigan game uh, will be uh, somewhat uh, consequential, but uh, if you're Purdue right now, uh, what is what worries you here between now and the Big Ten tournament? Uh, what do you need to work on? What do you need to focus on? And is there anything left on the schedule that absolutely scares you? Well, I don't think there's anything left of the Big Ten schedule that uh, that is going to scare you. You're you know you still may be an underdog when you go. It depends with uh, with Wisconsin's back to health by the time you go up there. Uh, even Michigan next week will not will certainly not you know that'll be game. Yeah, I'm not an odds maker, but I would guess it would be in that three to four point range. Uh, and uh, and Michigan at home is dangerous. Look what they did to Maryland uh, at home, and then they go on the road and can't and lose. So, uh, you know, I, no, there shouldn't be anything that scares Purdue. I mean, Purdue. I think Illinois is probably the most dangerous team that I'm watching now in terms of talent. But Purdue doesn't have to go there. In fact, they don't play the Fighting Illini. I think till the fifth of March. And obviously, Indiana will not be easy just because it's Indiana. But, you know, I, I don't think – and yet you have to look at it also uh, objectively and say, well, true, Purdue's got it all in front of him in that 25th Big Ten championship is within reach as early as as, as January the 20th. Uh, but my point is that, you know, Purdue almost lost to Nebraska, almost lost to Ohio State, almost lost to Michigan State. You take those – uh, turn those games around and you feel very differently about uh, this basketball team. So, you know, it's just a funny league. Uh, the league is not, obviously with just one, well, I guess maybe two teams ranked. The Rutgers may be out of the rankings after this week. Um, it's, it, it looks like it's not a good league, but I don't think that's really the case. I think it's really competitive. And uh, there are some teams that just need to get their ship right. And Ohio State is being one of those teams, just, just really in a funk right now. And I think that's my biggest concern is, is can you continue to stay, keep making progress? Because almost every team last year, Purdue uh, went up to Michigan and got just hammered. They hit a wall for a period of time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't happen to Purdue. Uh, but uh, how long that wall lasts and can they survive a game when they play absolutely poorly uh, remains to be seen. And Alan, can you remember in any recent history where there's been one dominating team like the Boilermakers seem to be in this conference? I mean, they are in serious. They can easily run away and hide with this thing because we were just talking earlier. You know, if they get these last two games, you know, against Maryland and Michigan, they're going to make the break at, at nine and one and have six of their last uh, ten games at home. And you know, this could be a position where you know the second place team is four or five games behind the uh, Boilermakers. Yeah, if, if Purdue can get to that record, certainly because the way that this league is going, um, I think they're going to be beaten up on everybody. I mean, we've already seen that. And uh, I think that that's, I mean, even, and again, I pick on Ohio State because I was, you know, when Purdue played Ohio State, Ohio State was was a, uh, I think, ranked at the time, but also a team that everybody feared. And they've just gone through a bad spell. Uh, and yet Minnesota, go, can you imagine Minnesota going to Ohio State and winning? It's hard to believe. But based on the Minnesota team we saw last night, 
Um, but no, yeah, I think it, I think it's possible. I'm, I, I really do. Uh, I think you know, it's stating the obvious here that Purdue has to stay healthy. Zach Eady's got to stay healthy, and, uh, and certainly Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer need to stay in that realm as well. But uh, yeah, I, I see that as a possibility. I don't see a lot of pitfalls, but I also will say. Maryland came in here last year uh, with Danny Manning as an interim head coach and darn near beat Purdue. I know that was last year's team, totally different situation. My point is, and Matt Painter said it after last night, you just got to be, you got to have your uh, head screwed on every game you play in this league because yes, I think Purdue's the best team in this league, maybe by a a little bit of a distance, but they're they're not good enough that they can't lose games uh, to teams uh, on down the line. uh, If you don't shoot the ball well, um, and the other team comes in hot. Talk with Alan Carpet from GoldenBlack.com here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Alan, I just I can't help but think about where we were at July versus where we're at right now. What a difference uh, six months is going to make. I mean, you you go back and uh, Eric Hunter Jr. in the portal. Okay, well maybe he could come back. Uh, we're, we're, we got this line on Nigel Pack, right? This is going to happen. Nigel doesn't happen. He gets bought out. Eric Hunter decides to go to uh, to to Butler, and we're all saying to ourselves, hey, this is, we hear good things about this freshman, but it's a freshman leading the point in the Big Ten. They just don't walk in off the street here and control things. Um, i, I got to think for as much as attention as Zach's getting, and rightfully so, I don't know if the season happens without Braden Smith being the Braden Smith that we have right now. Agree with that? Well, that and Fletcher Lawyer. I mean, I, I think you look, at, uh, you look at those games we've talked about, the Michigan State game, even the loss to Rutgers, uh, Ohio State without Fletcher Lawyer, you don't win those games, or you may not. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's just been an, it's been an, uh, I'll use the term incredible because I think it has been in terms of what we thought we would see. You know, I think Brian Newbert has seen these guys play more than probably any Purdue observer uh, for the last two or three years, and he even felt that you know both these guys are going to be really good players, good contributors. But I don't think anybody thought even watching Braden Smith play in AAU, that uh, he would be as good. But Braden Smith also, and then Brian would say, not to put words in his mouth, but that the guy that uh, always played uh, better than his competition. I mean, he would play against higher-ranked guys, and he would hold more than hold his own. He's proven that now at the college level. He's an all-Big Ten level, maybe not first team, but I think uh, both those guys will be in the first, second teams of uh, all-Big Ten, if I'm talking Lawyer and Smith if things continue uh, the way that they're going. And, and there really isn't any reason to think they won't because these guys are extremely dialed in. They love basketball. Uh, they're not about themselves. And that, all those things really bode well for the rest of this Big Ten season. And, you know, the thing is, guys, we're not even talking about real other really good players. Caleb First is played, I, I think, is playing very well, uh, almost dominant inside. Uh, Mason Gillis is still a terrific basketball player. Purdue's got a lot of weapons, as we know. And even Trey Kaufman-Wren, who's really struggled of late, uh, is the guy that uh, is going to continue to get better. So, uh, yeah, it's about as rosy a picture as I can remember. I guess maybe that's by definition reality when you're 18-1 and one, an all-time best start uh, in, in Purdue history uh, that things look pretty good for your basketball team, this, at least this Friday. And, uh, you know, we talked on our show about – and this has been a while, but we talked about the three-point shooting, and we came to the conclusion that it doesn't really matter with this basketball team because there are so many winners on this team 
that on any given night, somebody will step up to make the shot to, to win the game for you. And we've seen that so far. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer has been a cold-blooded killer. I mean, we've seen Caleb First hit a big three when we needed that against Michigan State. You know, obviously, Zach is your go-to guy. But there are so many ways. Last night, Zach goes for, for 12, 12 and 6. And, and, you know, as Jared pointed out earlier, that's a pedestrian performance for him. I mean, what makes this team so special that on any given night anybody can beat you? Well, I, I think that I think to produce all those qualities, but I do think it comes down to in in this world of college basketball, it's the three point shot, and then it's the three point shot. I mean, it's it's shooting, uh, and I think teams that that come in hot against you could you know can beat Purdue. We've we've seen the. Uh, Rutgers, to some extent, uh, though Rutgers, had, it was a lot to do with the defense and produce inability to shoot the basketball. But, you know, that's the thing you're most subject to, and that's the randomness of this thing, is there are times uh, when uh, when you don't shoot the ball well and, and it's going to cost you, but it can cost you the end of your season in the NCAA tournament. But Purdue has the ultimate uh, safety net, and that is they, even if they're not shooting the ball well, I have yet to see it. I'm not sure we're going to see anybody out there that can stop Zach Eady and Purdue's ability to get the ball in there. So, you know, I like that's why I like Purdue to, you know, Purdue. This this is a chance for Purdue to to, to go really really far, and, uh, and and that includes winning it all. That doesn't mean they're going to. I'm just saying it's there there to be had, uh, barring any uh, injuries. And yet uh, this team will have to get better, and you have to be able to avoid a night where you go three for 30 from the three-point line. And that and, and somebody shoots you. That's stating the obvious. But, uh, again, all fun problems to solve. And Purdue's shown that it can shoot the basketball. Even last night, they weren't great offensively. They really never, for the most part, never really got in the flow, I didn't think. Uh, but they were good enough defensively and were able to pound the ball enough inside to stabilize themselves early and get to a 31 to 12 lead and basically coast to a win. So, you know, it's a good storyline, going to be interesting. Uh, and yet uh, uh, there'll be something that surprises and maybe on the negative side between now and the end of the season. I, I just don't see Purdue going undefeated, but uh, I don't also don't see Purdue having a prolonged losing streak uh, with this current lineup. Alan Carpet, goldenblack.com. Again, tremendous website. Keep me up to date on everything when it comes to football, basketball, uh, the squad does such a good job over there. Alan, we always appreciate you on a Friday, my friend. Boiler Up, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Have a great rest of the show, and always thanks for having me on. Welcome back. This is the Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. With Jared Jesselis, got Jeff Julik over there. Back to the Blue Fox Heating, Cooling, Hammerhead Hotline. The man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, Nate Barrett, joins us here. And a, a very happy camper after watching the Boilermakers uh, cruise to a victory up in the barn at Williams Arena and uh, move to 18-1. and one. Nate, best start in program history. Uh, that'll get you up feeling pretty good on a Friday morning, won't it? Well, it sure does, fellas. And it harkens Purdue fans' memories back to that 87-88 team, started 17-1. and one. We talked about them a little a few weeks ago, and uh, that's a great memory for fans. Fans loved that team, uh, loved everything about it personality-wise. But, uh, you know, this – I think what fans are enjoying – is uh, how no one really the announcers, the national announcers, were talking about during the game last night. No, no one expected this. I mean, no one coming off of last season expected Purdue to be back in that consistent top five position this year. And yet, uh, so many factors: Zach's continued improvement, the supporting cast, and the 
the excellent, excellent guard play of Lawyer and Smith has just propelled Purdue, and, and Purdue fans like the style of play as well. It's not just, you know, the winning is the best, but it's also fun when you're winning and you're enjoyable to watch. And uh, the brand of basketball that Purdue has presented this year is an inciting, uh, enjoyable brand of basketball. But the Purdue fan, which is an educated basketball fan, certainly is is uh, just heartily enjoying every moment of it. Are, are you saying the national media is, is just going to dub them the Spanish Inquisition? Because nobody expects <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition, Nate. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, you are a historian. And, uh, <laughs> well, it's, the old Monty, it's the old Monty Python, Monty Python thing. Come on yeah. now. Oh, yeah. gee whiz. All right. Go well, ahead, you know, Monty, Monty Python's pretty ancient history for those of us except you. Like, <laughs> there you go. That's true. <laughs> okay, so Nate. I, I love the graphic that they, they put up uh, last night because I, I think the national perception by a lot of people is that, that Matt has put together a team of, of players who just weren't highly recruited. And, you know, and I think that stems from, from Zach being the 430th rated player coming out of high school. But when you look at this team, and I love that graphic last night, they are loaded with, with Indiana basketball players of the year, Pennsylvania basketball players of the year, and Gatorade players of the year. So, I mean, it's quite interesting that, you know, people think that this is a team of basically nobody. Be, be fair, okay, Ethan Morton in Pennsylvania, that's the western part. We don't do basketball in the western part. That's Philadelphia's territory. They don't he go still football, it, we do okay. the football on the western side the other way. That's how rare that is. So you want to talk about not being recruited, that makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, what is about Matt that, that you know, he, he's put together this team and, and it is just a really, really talented team that people think that it's just, you know, just a, a group of of misfits that he, that he's put together. Yeah, it's it's a good point. I, I saw that graphic go up, and um, you know he's just you know I mean no no IU fan likes to hear it, but you know Purdue has has become the the program in this state, and um, you know that's that's a fact. And the challenge for IU. Uh, you know, is that the glory days are now so far off for them. Uh, I had this discussion with a guy the other day, you know, uh, recruits today don't, they don't know, they don't know who, uh, you know, Steve Alford, Keith Smart, Ricky Calloway, and Daryl Thomas are. And uh, much less, they don't know who Calvert Chaney and Damon Bailey are in many instances. That's, you know that that like Nebraska football for IU basketball, there's a lot frozen in that in that spot, and so you know Matt has come and you know built off the foundation that that Gene had in terms of tenacious defense and togetherness and the character qualities that that you want in a Purdue basketball player, and yet as he has has uh, you know done his great job with player evaluation and getting on players early and getting out you know and recruiting hard. You know he's he's helped himself figure out and his assistants understand this is what a Purdue basketball player looks like in our system and and just that unselfishness that 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 look to pass first uh, you know and finding these diamonds in the rough you know we forget guys you know that that Travion too uh, am I right that he was maybe runner up I think in Michigan for Mister Basketball I mean he is but yet was still under the radar I mean, he's found these guys that. Um, some are really not under the radar when you're Mr. Basketball, but others have been, you know, and then 
I mean, as much as it's a great deal like Ethan to be Mr. Basketball in Pennsylvania, I bet a lot more people think about who's Mr. Football in Pennsylvania. And yet Matt goes out there and finds him, finds the character he's looking for, and it was as high on Ethan as anybody's ever brought in just because of what he brings to the table. So, uh, you know, I think Matt's been methodical about it, but what you haven't seen him worry a lick about in years has been trying to land you know, whatever the national analysts consider a five-star guy. I, I think it's a silly narrative, to be honest with you guys, because, you know, these guys are only under, you know, under the radar because these national recruiting services don't get out and watch all these guys and they don't play on the right circuits or they're with the right team, so they don't know much about them, so they slot them under there. I, I, you know, I don't want to take any credit away from Matt Painter from finding these guys, but... Why Why are these guys unheralded just because those sites don't pay enough attention to the right guys and, and Matt's just smart enough to see good basketball when he sees it? I, well, I mean, it's, and, it's ridiculous. And, and, and one thing is that, like, I think Matt looks for more guys at, at work ethic. In terms of, you think back on Haas or you look at Edie, you go, okay, if you have that kind of a, you know, if you can find just a big guy, a physical mass that big, so that's a good start. But then you're evaluating more so. There's other guys of that size. But are, once he evaluates, how hard will this guy work to get more agile? How teachable and coachable is he at working with our big men's coach and our strength and conditioning people? Like, do I think he'll put in the work? And by all evidence, when you hear Matt talk, Edie is an example of a guy that's put in the work uh, to you know get beyond even you know maybe what he would have thought for himself at the beginning. So I think that's a piece of it, too, is just – you know who's willing to do that work in the off season to to improve and and uh, you know he's finding guys that are willing to do that work and not just you know say well uh, here I am I'm I'm this many stars and I won Mr. Basketball and I'm this talented and you know I'm just show up and feed me the ball you know he he does a good job of I think breaking them down at the beginning and saying you know wherever you were before this is the Big Ten and this is how it's going to be and then you can see with a guy like Edie just each year that progression. You know, Matt talked about uh, in his uh, recent video on GBI that uh, you know you you he when he went when Matt went away personally for COVID, he was away from the program 17 days in person, and he came back and just noticed the change in Zach in that 17 days. You know, you know more than a year ago, um, but you know that means he's putting in time on his own game. And I love Matt's comment that he said he thought Zach's uh, ability stems from being able to play baseball because he was able to bend, which sounds kind of silly. But if you look at that, he's on the floor all the time. He can get low. He can do what he needs to do. And, and you know, the, the skills he developed in baseball is certainly uh, coming back to, uh, to play uh, to really help him out at this point in his career. Back to the argument about uh, we've heard guys like Todd Dunwoody talk about locally. I mean, just the, uh, you know, that, that, playing multiple sports right you know and uh it's usually hockey's not in that mix with us guys guys can really benefit they can really benefit from that and and you do have to say i mean you think about it guys watching Edie, his agility has just continued to get better and better in the time he's been in this program it's been remarkable uh how how agile he is for his size I just if, if local sports here has taught me anything uh, on how to raise my son, it's that he just needs to be. Uh, he'll, we already know he'll be genetically gifted, but don't start no him until fun. high school anyway. <laughs> it's worked out for George. It's working out for Zach. Just wait. You know, you don't need to rush. Don't even let him play in middle school. Just roll him out there as freshman, and then they'll be four star <laughs> talent by the time they leave. That's how it works. 
Yeah, you're the dad that walks in and just goes, just put my kid in the second grade, starting there. He doesn't need <laughs> kindergarten and first grade. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nate, I want to ask you one final question. This is a doozy, okay? Uh-oh. Um, it's you, early. Yeah, look, Matt, Matt with a couple of milestones here over the last week. He got his 200th Big Ten win. He's got uh, what win number? We're up to 400 now, right? We're 400, 400. one school in the Big Ten, yeah. So there you go. Um how how long until he eclipses the legacy of Gene Cady? I mean, what what has to happen? Because I, I think if you look back at this program and you say, who's the best coach in the history of the program? It's still Gene right now. But Matt is starting to make his case uh, for the all-time great here. What still needs to happen, you think, until we can legitimately have that debate and Matt could win it? Well, you know, in, in Matt's First of all, we're talking about different eras. Now, you know, there's so there's a lot of uh, nuance there. And, and Gene got the job later in life than Matt did. So, you know, hopefully, you know, there's a lot of be, uh, history yet to be written for Matt. Um, but I think, you know, if if uh, good Lord willing, everything holds out well for him and in every respect. I mean, you have to you have to look at when Matt took the job at age 36 and. And uh, unless Izzo's coaching when he's 90, you know, Matt, Matt's got a great chance to really set every record uh, in this conference. And not only what's interesting about it is that I think if Matt does that, I think it's highly likely that his records uh, will stand for quite a long time, given the nature of, of coaching as it is today. I think the only other piece that, that every Purdue fan has in their mind in terms of if you want to use the word eclipse or if you want to use the word uh, you know that next level it's it's clearly a final four appearance and that's the one thing that gene got close to several times and and matt has gotten to the elite eight now which is as far as gene got and some other great coaches like gene norm stewart of missouri you know that's as far as they got but you know gene uh, uh, gene gene in his era you know he and he he stands in the in that that group with with Bob Knight and and you know that it's a it's a completely it's hard to compare errors but I, I would just say that Matt Matt's on a trajectory now where you know he should have all the the win records in the Big Ten uh, I think by the time he's done here if he goes that long but I think the the other piece for Purdue fans that they just and I'm one of them right when I think we all are that that you know the uh, thing you want above all else uh, is to see the the makers for the first time since 1980 under Lee Rose in that final four. And, and that, um, it'd be great if they won it all, but I don't, I don't think Matt has to win it all to, you know, to make a, a incredible legacy here. But I think a final four appearance would certainly seal up his place in Purdue history. Nate Barrett, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker nation, buddy, always a pleasure talking with you on a Friday, especially after a big Boilermaker win, buddy. Thanks so much. Welcome back. The Boiler basketball show continues on one Oh one seven, the hammer and one Oh one seven, the hammer.com with Jared Jessalitis. That's Jeff Julek over there. All right. Uh, big thanks to Alan. Big thanks to Nate. Now's the time of the program. We like to kind of take a look at the big 10 as a whole from a standings point and uh, take a look at the upcoming matchups. We're looking forward to, uh, in the next week. As of this morning, Purdue sits on top of the Big Ten Conference with a two-game lead. They are 7-1 in conference play, 18-1 and overall. Michigan State with the L last night has dropped them down to 5-3 and three, along with Rutgers. Both those teams, two games behind the Boilermakers. Then we get down to the four and threes, two and a half games back. Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan. Iowa making a little bit of a run here. Um, and then you, you've got Illinois at four and four. 
with just a head scratching loss last night to Indiana. I uh, what the heck is going Bad on sports. there? Yeah, three games back. Northwestern at three and three. Uh, they will uh, be kind of dragging behind here because they've had a COVID issue that's already postponed their second game. Uh, that one against Wisconsin. Uh, and don't tomorrow. forget, they only played one game before uh, the holiday break, so you know, they yeah, have a lot so of games to get in. We'll see if that could possibly affect uh, their matchup with Purdue at this point. Penn State at three and four, Indiana at three and four, and Maryland at three and four. All sit three and a half games back behind Purdue. Uh, you've got Nebraska at three and five, followed by Ohio State, who just cannot buy a win. And believe me, I'm sure they've tried because it's Ohio State at two and five, <laughs> and then Minnesota all the way down there at one and six, five and a half games. And my question to you is: Who is the worst team in the Big Ten right now? I mean, you could argue that uh, you know. It, can you can you say Minnesota? Uh, it's got to be they, Minnesota. They're the only they sub, a, they're, but they're, they beat a high three state. Three games behind so. five hundred. I mean, you know, a high state right now. I think Purdue broke them. I mean, they have not won a game since they lost that uh, that close loss to the Boilermakers on Fletcher Lawyer's big shot. So yeah, the Buckeyes have a lot of problems going on over in Columbus right now. A little bit of a struggle. I still think Minnesota's the worst. Uh, Nebraska's right there. I Ohio State gets in front of Minnesota and Nebraska based on talent, but I'm not putting them any higher. They just I feel bad. They've got great talent. I love Sensabaugh. You know, I've said yeah, that many sure. times here. Uh, they've got some talent, but they just, um, you're right, they're uh, they're kind of broken. No Big Ten basketball for us tonight. Nothing on the slate. That takes us to tomorrow. We're supposed to have three games, but the Wisconsin-Northwestern matchup has been postponed. Uh, so that leaves us with just two. Starting at 2 o'clock, it's Iowa at Ohio State. Uh, 2 p.m. on Fox, followed by Nebraska at Penn State at 2.15 on BTN. So, uh, you're going to have to pick and choose there, Jeff. Which one are you going to pick? Well, I guess I'd go with the Iowa High State game because I I think Penn State will probably hand Nebraska pretty handedly. And, uh, you know, I want to see how good Iowa is. Iowa seems to be uh, getting better and better, and uh, they're making a run to uh, to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. Yeah, but here's my problem still with Iowa. And everybody in the middle is flawed. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, yeah, for sure. But these guys still give up a ton oh, of they points. Do. Now, yeah, oh, they've held Rutgers to 65. Great. Rutgers can't score, all right? They gave up 89 to Indiana, yet they still won. Uh, Gave up 67 to Maryland. That's not exactly one of the higher-scoring teams in the conference either. Um, But, yeah, they they don't play defense. That is their problem. Um, And so... We'll we'll see. Um, and, and we'll I, see I think how, I'll actually take them over Ohio State tomorrow. Let's see how Ohio State responds. They have a ton of talent, so if they can get get the uh, the game figured out mentally, that you know they have a chance to beat Iowa. Tomorrow. They do, but I guess how engaged is the crowd going to be in that one? I mean, uh, do Ohio State fans really want to get out there and see them at this point? Uh, the 10, are they? Team, not, I mean, uh, this is it. This, this is must win territory. You lose this, it's it's done. You can kiss the NCAA tournament goodbye. You certainly could uh, if you don't win this one right here. That's uh, essential for them. That takes us on to Sunday, where we've got three games, two in the noon slot here. Minnesota at Michigan, followed by Michigan State at Indiana, which I'm sure you'll all be pre-gaming with on CBS. And then over in Mackey at uh, 1 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, it's Maryland versus Purdue. It is the Hammerdown Cancer Game. Purdue, by the way, 3-0 in the Hammerdown Cancer Games. Fantastic. And, you know, th- this will be a tough matchup. Uh, Maryland's got some good guard play, and, and uh, we'll see how the Boilermakers respond. But, you know, the Boilermakers have had very few home games. When you go back and look, we have, what, three home games uh, after that uh, Christmas break. And, uh, you know, the, it's nice to get the Boilermakers back. And I'm waiting for the Boilermakers back-to-back home games because it seems like we get back-to-back road games all the time, but never back-to-back home games. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think this Maryland team is cut out to come in and uh, and dominate here again. They lost to. I mean, they lost to Rutgers. They lost at Michigan. They lost uh, against Iowa here. They eked out a seven-point victory uh, over Ohio State at home, which we, again we talked about. They they've been somewhat broken here. They're one and four on the road. They just they just have not had uh, great success on the road. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. That takes us over to uh, our Monday slate, which uh, includes zero games. Jeff, come on! I got zero no Monday games. night football, and now you're going to do this to me? Come on. Who do we talk to about this? This is egregious. I don't know. Who uh, would you talk to? We, we don't, we don't have a commissioner. <laughs> we don't have a commissioner. <laughs> uh, we go to Tuesday. Penn State will travel to Rutgers. That should be nice. The unlimited three shooting team versus the, uh, you know, the, uh, un- the, the unstoppable defense yeah. in, in Rutgers. That'll be great. 630 at Jersey Mike's Arena on a Tuesday night. Uh, you got Ohio State will travel to Illinois 7 o'clock on Tuesday. And then uh, as long as they're going to be good to go, Northwestern goes to Nebraska 8.30 with the tip-off at Pinnacle Bank. That will be interesting with Northwestern, you know, having trouble with COVID. Uh, Nebraska can be good defensively at home. They can also very much lay eggs. We've seen that. Well, they um, beat Ohio State last week, which I'm not sure that's saying a whole lot. But uh, Nebraska is uh, – they've already won more games this year than they did the entire season last year. So uh, some uh, improvement out of Fred Horberg and his, uh, t- and his Huskers this year. All right, that brings us over to uh, Wednesday, where uh, you'll see Wisconsin at Maryland, and then Indiana has to travel up to Williams Arena. And uh, that, again, will be uh, another interesting one because, like I said, uh, Minnesota can't score. But uh, I will give Indiana this. If they knew one thing, they still can't score. They, they just sh- yep. don't do a very good job of stopping people. Well, and Indiana's been playing much better defense. I mean, their their defensive performance last night against Illinois was really good. And uh you know, they had that really, really tough three-hour practice after they lost those three games in a row, and I think Woodson has finally got the uh, that defense intensity that carried them into the uh, Big Ten tournament run and into the NCAA tournament last year uh, started a little bit early. But, uh, you know, they still have issues, and if you can, can double-team Jackson Davis and, and get the ball out of his hands, you have a much better chance to win basketball games. Yeah, it seems like pretty clear cut what to do with them, but they but just obviously don't. Brad Underwood did not see that last night because he uh, played him man to man the whole night. So you know, you see red sometimes as a bull, and you just you know you go <laughs> blind to everything. I get it. That's you know, it's another one of those. We've had this discussion before. If you start picturing some of the uh, Big Ten coaches in your head. Uh, what do you see? And when we mention Brad Underwood, I mean, what do you see in your head right now? What are you visualizing when I say, hey, picture Brad Underwood in your head? A technical. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's yelling. He's upset about something, uh, much like Fran is or Tom is. Uh, that's just that's just what you see. And then that takes us to Thursday where Iowa will head to Michigan State. We'll all be Hawkeye fans for that one. And uh, Purdue with a tough one on Thursday night, 9 o'clock they're going to go to Michigan up there at the crisis. And we owe the Wolverines. You know, uh, Hunter Dickinson's had a, a big career against the Boilermakers. And, uh, you know, the Boilermakers had that stretch of four games in, what, nine, eight, nine days last year because of the COVID reschedule. And they ran out of gas at Michigan last year. So, you know, I'm looking for the Boilermakers to go up there. This is not as talented a team as, as we've seen from Michigan in the past. And I look They've been the, better. They struggled the first half here in January. They've been better, I thought, here in the last week or two. But they still have a tough time finishing, and you saw that last night against Maryland. So they do. I think I think the Boilermakers go in there and uh, and finally uh, win a, a game by ten points or so up in Michigan. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Boiler Basketball Show. Big thanks to our guests, Alan Karpik and uh, Nate Barrett. Um, next week, I will be. I, I'm on the lamb. I'm, I'm on the run. Uh, Kyle Charters will be back here. You guys will get to put on a uh, nice little show here. He's filling Fantastic. in for me. 
on Friday. So if uh, you like Kyle's hot takes, and who doesn't like Kyle's hot takes, uh, he's got you covered. Uh, thanks for listening to the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com.